today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. We as Christians, we go to the latest, greatest conference. We buy the latest, greatest, or download the latest, greatest book. Or we, you know, get this series or download that or whatever. And it's like Jesus is saying, I'm right here. That all points to me. Why do you just want the lower resolution image? I'm the person. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. Our society today is all about the life hacks. We want the best, easiest, and quickest way possible to get what we want. But today, Pastor J.D. reminds us that if we have that attitude when it comes to Christ, we're going to get a cheap copy of Him. Why would you settle for a copy when you can have the almighty original? Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 8 as he continues his message, The Real Jesus. I want you to think this through with me. You know how it is when you're fellowshipping with brothers and sisters in Christ and there's something peculiar about that brother, that sister in Christ. They're the real deal. It reminds me of those of whom it was said, ah, oh, they were with Jesus. There's some people that you know have an intimate, personal, real relationship with the real Jesus, not a copy, not a political Jesus, not an activist Jesus, not a social justice Jesus. These are copies. That's not the real Jesus. The real Jesus is the Jesus of the Bible. I know I'm kind of stepping on some toes here by saying that. (laughs) Just hear me out, though, if you would, please. We talked a little bit about this in the prophecy update. I do have a question, and it's sort of rhetorical in in this sense. I, I don't find anywhere in the Scriptures where God's people were protesting. I do see in the Scriptures where God's people were praying. I just wonder, and I ask this again, rhetorical question. um, I wonder what would happen if we spent as much time praying as we do protesting. I wonder what would happen. I wonder what would change. Because as we saw with Hezekiah, God, through the prophet Isaiah, says to him, because you prayed, watch me now. I'm going to do this. You got the Assyrian army? Yeah, they're right outside the city wall. 185,000 of them to be exact. What are we going to do? Answer? Nothing. I'm going to do it. Watch me. Let me. And the account, and again, I... I'll tell you, Thursday night's Bible study was yet another time in God's Word where you just realize, wow, God. I mean, 
It was the perfect place to be in God's Word on the perfect day, because on Thursday, many of you got an email from King Sennacherib. Good, you're laughing. Those of you that are laughing, you know exactly what I'm talking about. I mean, don't look at me. I am not that clever. I could have never planned that on, on my best day. I could have never planned that we would be in Ezekiel 36 and 37 on Thursday afternoon is when the letter was sent with King Sennacherib's signature on it. Very threatening. Just give in. Just do it. Everybody else has. All the cities that we've taken, their gods didn't protect them. Just surrender. You know what we do to those who don't surrender? We make an example of them. We impale them on stakes and put them outside the city so everybody can say, ooh. And then we're still going to take you and resettle you and take you captive and make you slaves. And we're going to impale you in your faces with rings and carry you away by chains. So we can do this the easy way, we can do this the hard way. That was the letter basically, right? That's what Hezekiah got. So what does Hezekiah do when he gets the letter? He doesn't protest. He doesn't set up a coalition to rally. He prays. And he asks for prayer. And God hears his prayer. And God says, because you pray, which sends chills up and down my spine, because it implies that if Hezekiah didn't pray, that narrative may have read quite a bit differently. It could have read, because you didn't pray, I will not deliver you out of the hands of the Assyrians. No, we read this. He didn't even respond, by the way. His first response, not last resort, was to pray. Pray. He went to the, <laughs> the temple slash tabernacle, into the presence of the Lord, and he laid out this threatening email before the Lord. I'll let you use your imagination. And the Lord's response to Hezekiah, because you prayed, I'm going to do this. I'm going to take care of this for you. No one arrow is going to be shot into your arm. I mean, uh, city. I'm sorry, that was, whoa. And not one arrow was shot. And then again, I, you'll forgive me, especially those of you that were here for the update and Thursday night, but I just can't get over this. There's this interesting detail. It could be easily missed at first read in the narrative in chapter 37, because it says that when they arose early in the morning, they found 185,000 dead Assyrian men outside the city walls. And the reason why is because God sent an angel. We don't know his name. I'm convinced this was an intern. He was a trainee, and they just said, just go down there and take care of this. And it means that they slept through the whole thing. Because if I'm reading that right, they arose and woke up in the morning, and they found that it was kind of like God saying, I need you to get a good night's sleep because you're going to have 185,000 dead Assyrians you're going to have to deal with in the morning. So sleep tight. Nighty night. They slept through the whole thing. How many of you know that God will provide 
and deliver you even when you're sleeping. Because he neither sleeps nor slumbers. That's my Jesus. That's the real Jesus. And sadly, many a Christian today settles for just the copy. And to do so is to do so to one's own peril. Well, this kind of dovetails into the second question out of chapter 9. Do I have the picture or the person? Now, please understand, this is not a, you know, clever play on words, because the tabernacle was only a copy. The tabernacle was only a picture. So let me ask you a question. You have a picture of somebody. Wouldn't you rather have that somebody and not just the picture? So, (laughs) I mean, do I worship the picture or do I worship the person in the picture? Again, I think we do err greatly as Christians when we settle for a lower resolution picture of the person of Jesus Christ. Why would we settle for that when we can have the person, not just the picture? So you know in the Old Testament, and we we see it here in Hebrews, in fact we just read this word shadows, types. We're going to get into the typology here in a moment, but this was just a shadow. Now let's talk about a shadow for a moment. Okay, let's say you, you come home from work, and you pull up to the house, you get out of the car, and it's a sunny day, and you walk up to the house, and your kids come running out, and they just like, oh, and they start hugging and kissing your shadow. I know this, listen, if you got a better illustration, you again, let me know afterwards. I'm happy to talk with you about it, but you're like, what are you doing? I'm here. I'm right here. That's just my shadow. I'm the substance that created that shadow. You're looking at the shadow, the copy, the picture. I'm the person. I'm sorry, but, and this is the way I think, and I know they have clinical terms for this condition, but I just imagine so many times the Lord's just kind of like, hello, I'm right here, I'm right here. What are you doing over there? What are you doing over there? Why are you doing that? Why are you calling them? I'm the person. I'm the real deal. Me. But no, we go to everything else. Ah, I hope this is the Holy Spirit. If it's not, forgive me. I think it is though. We clamor for, how do I say this? I want to be loving, but at the same time, I just have to be very candid when I say this. I think we we as Christians, we go to the latest, greatest conference. We buy the latest, greatest, or download the latest, greatest book. Or we, you know, get this series or download that or whatever. And... It's like Jesus is saying, I'm right here. That all points to me. Why do you just want the lower resolution image? I'm the person. I'll tell you, you know, I know in my own life there, there is no comparison. I mean, when you've been with Jesus... I mean, it changes everything. 
It changes everything. And, and by the way, isn't it when we pray that we're going to the real Jesus? Here's another example by way of illustration. We settle for a picture when we call that brother or that sister instead of just going right to Jesus. He's the person. Why am I going to go to them when I can go to him? How many times? I'm speaking to myself, okay? I know you guys are more spiritual and mature than I am, and I'll just speak of my own life. How many times has my default been when I get the letter from the Sennacheribs? <laughs> I had my share, and I, I call them first. What are they going to do? This is the other thing to talk about convicting. Again, I'll just, I'm, I'm so convicted right now, but I don't have permission yet to move forward, so bear with me, okay? And besides that, conviction loves company. So uh, <laughs> I'm so convicted because when I try to call them, I can't always get through to them. I get their voicemail. Or how about when I text? And then I'm waiting for the three dots to see that they got it. They're going to text back. Stop! I've got unfettered access to the creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that in them is anytime about anything and I don't? Hey, <laughs> you know, I, I know people in high places. <laughs> really? Who? Oh, he happens to be my heavenly father, and he loves me so much, so much that he sent his only begotten son to die for me instead of me, that if I would believe in him, I would not perish in hell for all eternity, but have everlasting life. That's how much he loves me. And he's told me that I can come to him anytime. And oh, by the way, uh, in the Old Testament, you could not do that because there was a thick curtain separating the holy place from the most holy place, as the writer of Hebrews just got done telling us. And you did not have unfettered access. In fact, you had no access. How about that? There was only one person that had access one day of the year on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, and that was the high priest. And he would enter into the holy place and <laughs> make atonement. Uh, I want to know if that guy got a good night's sleep the night before too, because he's going in on my behalf. I don't need him anymore, because I have the real Jesus who made atonement once and for all. And this is what the writer of Hebrews is saying here. And I think the question that every one of us should be asking ourselves here is, am I worshiping the picture or the person the picture is actually of? All of this is only a picture, a shadow, a type. If you'll kindly allow me to, I'd like to take the remainder of our time together today and Talk about the typology in the tabernacle. It is just so fascinating, and I, I hope it'll be encouraging to you as well. And I hope that it will serve as a much-needed reminder 
about how it's all about the real Jesus. Getting to the real Jesus and staying with the real Jesus. Not straying, staying with the real Jesus. We've got the real thing. We got the original. So what follows comes from the detailed account that's recorded in the book of Exodus chapter 25 when Moses was given these, I mean, talk about details. And it's actually true, the writer of Hebrews, that was not detailed. And that's why he says we don't have time to go into the details. (laughs) It's very detailed. And every detail is about Jesus and points to the person of Jesus Christ and the finished work, finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, the original tabernacle in and of itself is both a picture of the person of Jesus Christ and the finished work on the cross. I'm going to try to go through this. Please just stay with me. The tabernacle, a temporary dwelling place, a tent. Jesus temporarily with us in tent form, bodily form. The tabernacle born in the wilderness. Jesus born in a manger. The tabernacle humble in its outward appearance. Jesus humble in his appearance. The tabernacle, this is interesting, beautiful and full of riches inwardly, not outwardly, inwardly. The gold, I mean, wow. Jesus, beautiful, and offers his riches inwardly. The tabernacle was, it's believed, in place for about 33 years. Jesus lived for about 33 years. The tabernacle, God's glory dwelt in it. Jesus, God's glory dwells in him. The tabernacle, where God meets man. Jesus is how we meet and get to God as man. The tabernacle, in the midst of the Israelites' camp. Jesus, he's in our midst. The tabernacle, the law was preserved Remember, in the Ark of the Covenant, the tablets, the law. Jesus, the law was fulfilled. The tabernacle, a place of sacrifice. Jesus, he was placed as the sacrifice. The tabernacle, a place of worship. Jesus, he is the focus of our worship. Now, just the arrangement of the seven articles, the seven furnishings, You have the altars of sacrifice, altar of incense, the table of showbread, and it was divided into three sections. Everything was exact and precise. And the arrangement of these seven articles, none of which were seating furnishings, (laughs) because they they required work all the time, because the work was never finished, but they were in the shape, arranged in the shape of a cross, before a cross was even thought of. Not only was the tabernacle itself a picture of the cross, so too was the formation of the camps of the Israelites with the tabernacle in the center. That also was a picture of the cross. And here's how we get there. In Numbers chapter 2, we have this list of the numbers. Makes sense, right? The book of Numbers is about numbers. Gets a lot of bad press. It's a very fascinating book, by the way. So we have a list of the numbers of the 12 tribes of Israel. 
that were organized, separated into four groups of three tribes each, camped to the north, the south, the east, and the west. Again, the tabernacle, the Levites, the priestly tribe, was right smack in the middle. Now we have those exact numbers. And we're told that Judah was at the head of the camp to the east with those numbers, Reuben to the south, Ephraim to the west, Dan to the north. And you take those numbers and you stretch them out, for lack of a better way of saying it, and you see that they would have shaped and formed a cross with the tabernacle right smack in the middle of that camp of the Israelites. You know, when you get to Numbers chapter 22, that well-known story about Balak paying Balaam big bucks to curse Israel, and he couldn't, no matter how he tried, no matter how much he was paid. And instead, what would come out of his mouth was this glorious blessing. You know why? Because the camp that he was trying to pronounce this curse on was in the shape of a cross, Jesus Christ, that that pictured and foreshadowed, and there is now no curse, no guilt, no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We can't be cursed. The gates of hell cannot prevail against the church of Jesus Christ because of the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's why he couldn't curse them. How about that? <laughs> okay, I think that is so cool. Now, let's talk about the materials. Now, when you're going through this, you're thinking, oh my goodness, what? Again, this is TMI. Too much information. Why do I need to know this? Well, the materials used in the tabernacle are both a picture of the person of Jesus Christ and also the finished work on the cross. Gold is a picture of his deity. Silver is a picture of redemption and the 30 pieces of silver, his betrayal that was paid to Judas for our redemption. Bronze is always a picture of fire and judgment. Blue is the dye of a shellfish in several different hues and is a picture of heaven. Blue is always a picture of heaven. Purple is from the murex snail, a purple-red color and a picture of his royal majesty. Scarlet, this is interesting, is from a worm, the coccus illicus, if I'm pronouncing it correctly, I'm sure I'm not. This worm this is in the Psalms, the Messianic Psalms. I want to say it's Psalm 22. I might be mistaken. This particular worm, Jesus refers to himself as a worm. This worm will affix itself to a tree and die on that tree. And it will excrete this scarlet fluid to give birth. That is a picture of Jesus Christ and his death, taking the curse of mankind when he died and was hung on that tree. Fine linen, this is a picture of his holiness. Goat hair coverings. Would you ever want to decorate your house with goat hair coverings? Are you kidding me? They were usually black and coarse. Well, this is a picture of the atonement, the scapegoat. Ram skins, no thank you. Well, they were used, and customarily they would have the wool removed, and they would be this fine leather which is a picture of his sacrifice, the ram. Think Isaac with Abraham. They had the ram that was used as the sacrifice instead. 
Thanks for joining us for today's edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Some of what you heard today may have encouraged you in your faith. There are many revered Bible characters mentioned in the book of Hebrews, people who lived ordinary lives but amounted to much in God's eyes when it came to faith. Perhaps you might be the same. You're living your very ordinary life, striving to live for God, but sometimes you make some harebrained decisions. Thankfully, God's looking at your life and your faith as a whole. This should be encouraging to you. You don't have to live up to perfection. Continue following this series with us in the book of Hebrews to gain additional glimpses of faith lived out. If you'd like to learn more about the ministry of In Spirit and Truth, go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're at our website, feel free to check out additional teachings from Pastor J.D. If you're ever in or near the Kaneohe area, we'd love to have you come join us. Visit Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on Sundays and Thursdays for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D., You can find service times and directions on our website. Once again, that's calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Thanks for listening today to this teaching in the book of Hebrews. We hope you'll join us for our next edition of In Spirit and Truth, where Pastor J.D. has much to share with you about what God has been putting on his heart. Faith is something that's ongoing, so keep it up. Join us again on In Spirit and Truth. Holy me true.